What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you'll get all of our new podcasts, articles, updates to our draft guide, <clears throat> literally every bit of baseball content we share out at Ethos Fantasy BB. So make sure you are following over there. If you're not somebody who uses social media, sportsethos.com is the place to be checking out. Our draft guide should be out next week. At the very least, we're going to get like a good majority of it out next week. And then we're going to get some more pieces uh, added in throughout the rest of the offseason. But make sure you guys are on the lookout for that. We've put a lot of work into our draft guide. Should be a lot of fun for you guys to go through. Very informative stuff uh, from all of our team members. So be on the lookout for that. And also be on the lookout for our live stream later today. If you're listening to this, uh, there's a decent chance that the stream is already happening or it has happened. But I'm going to be doing a live auction draft on YouTube and Twitter tonight at 5 p.m. Eastern on Monday. And it'll be available as a podcast on Tuesday. If you listen to these as podcasts, it'll be in your feed uh, tomorrow. If you listen on YouTube, that'll be up live later today. So if you guys are familiar with the Bubba and the Bloom podcast, hosted by a good friends of mine, Casey Bubba and Ryan Bloomfield, they're doing listener leagues this year, and they're doing auctions. So we are going to be doing the first of these listener leagues. There are four of them on the NFBC. We're doing the first draft tonight. Ryan Bloomfield is going to join me uh, for part of it. I don't think he'll be here for the whole show. But we're going to be going through some of our picks, talking some strategy and all that kind of fun stuff uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you're on the lookout for that one. Today we're going to do a little bit of a shorter episode just because we're going to be doing a two and a half hour live stream later today. So we're going to keep the voice intact and just talk about some of the major points over the course of the weekend and today. So let's talk Anthony Rendon. I, I don't really want to, but I mean, we, we kind of have to at this point. Because people are going to ask me if they should draft him, and people are already kind of going down that road of, uh, is Rendon worth a, a late-round flyer? And I've gotten a lot of those type of questions. So my answer at this point is going to be no. I don't think Anthony Rendon is worth drafting pretty much anywhere. If you're in, like, I've talked a lot about draft and hold formats, then yeah, I mean, he's going to be taken in your draft and hold formats because at that point, you know, you draft 750 players, so he is probably going to still be drafted. He is going to be drafted, but I don't think there's any need to have him on your teams this year. I think he is a complete waste of time and energy for fantasy and, and for real-life purposes. I think the Angels are very upset that they gave him uh, this this contract because it's absolutely absurd. He is the sixth-highest-paid player in baseball behind Shohei Otani, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Aaron Judge, and Jacob deGrom. He gets paid more than Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg is still on the books, technically, Nolan Arenado, uh, Corey Seager, Lindor. Like, it's just a stupid grouping of names that he gets paid more. The reason I'm bringing him up, if you haven't heard about this already, is that he had an interview this morning or yesterday, I think it was this morning, uh, and Sam Blum, who is a reporter for The Athletic, uh, was the one who reported this news. So they asked him a few questions, Rendon, and if you know Rendon at all, he's a little prickly with the media. He's not the most personable fella. Um, and he was pretty much saying the main, the main gist of it is that baseball, according to him, this is his words, has never been a top priority for me. This is a job. I do this to make a living. My faith and family come first. So that is kind of understandable. It's not a great look to say it out loud though. Um, they asked him if it, if baseball is a priority and he said, sure, it's a priority because it's my job. I'm here. Aren't I? 
and they asked him, do you want to be here? And he said, I don't want to talk to you guys at 7 in the morning or whatever time it is. Do you want to be here playing baseball for the Angels? And he said, I've answered your questions. Why do you keep picking at it? He's very confrontational with the media. He had this uh, podcast episode a few weeks ago. I'm not even sure what podcast it was. Uh, forgive me there. But where he said, you know, the season needs to be shortened. It's too long. Uh, you know, it's too long of a workload for players and blah, 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 which, again, might be a reasonable point. Just the same way that his, you know, putting family first is a reasonable point. <clears throat> but he's not the guy to be making this kind of this kind of announcement, this kind of comparison, right? He's played in his Angels tenure no more than 58 games in any one season. Hard to hold 2020 against him because it was a short year. He played 52 out of 60. Probably would have surpassed that 58 game total. Probably. But then again, with Rendon, you really don't know. So between the bullshit antics that we have off the field and the fact that he's never healthy on the field, and when he has been healthy these last few years, the performance has not at all been what we were hoping for after seeing him put together some MVP caliber seasons in Washington. 2019, he had a very strong case to be the National League MVP. He batted 319 with 34 homers, 126 ribs. His team won the World Series. He came third behind Bellinger and Yelich that year. You could have made an argument for Rendon, and I don't think people would have thought you were crazy either. That's how good he was just three years ago, four years ago. And now we're at the point where I don't want anything to do with him. Vlad Sadler uh, from FTN is somebody that's a good friend, somebody I respect a lot, and Vlad took him out of his top 500 rankings. Vlad famously does his uh, his VDP rankings at FTN Fantasy, which are very, very worth checking out. Uh, helped me a lot in my, my early drafts before I had my own rankings put together. Vlad took Anthony Rendon out of his top 500. Doesn't want anything to do with Rendon. And that's where I am. Like, Rendon is not going to be a part. Like, my rankings will go about 300 deep in terms of the overall. Each position will have about 25. Like, is he going to be a top 25 third baseman for me? I don't even know if he is. Like, I, I don't I don't think he is, in, in all honesty. At this point, he'd have to be, like, such a deep option. And I'm just going to see where he is by ADP for third baseman. He's 42nd. I don't think I'm putting him in my top 30. Like, I, I we'll see. Maybe he sneaks in at the back end there. But I, there's just not a lot to like in terms of the on-field performance and the antics that come with it. He's just a troublemaker. And I forget who put this term out there. I think it might have been Jeff Zimmerman from Fangraphs, the knucklehead factor or, or something like that. Do you know how many knuckleheads you really want on your team? You know, like, there is going to be, of course, like, the physical aspect of Rendon can't play more than 10 games without being healthy. But even when he is healthy, you have shit like, you know, arguing, fighting with a fan and fighting with the media and the teammates don't like him and all kinds of shit that I just don't want to be a part of. I just I just don't want that on my team. It is not. We're not talking about a guy who has the talent level of, like, a first or a second rounder anymore. <clears throat> if he was then I think you'd say, screw it. You know, he's a troublemaker. He's going to, you know, he's going to have some antics throughout the season, but he's going to give me 30 home runs and 100 RBI, so I can live with it. No, it's not anywhere close to that at this point. That's where we were a few years ago because that's what he was even early in his career. Rendon was somebody who was kind of odd with the media, but you know what? He was putting together MVP caliber season, so who cares? Now that he stinks, he's not healthy, there's nothing to like at this point. The team context is awful. There's nothing there to like except for Mike Trout, who, again, is very injury-prone of himself these uh, these days. So I don't know that you can rely on Rendon for literally anything this year. Most of you guys are playing 12-team drafts on Yahoo based on the polling I did a few weeks ago. Most of you guys who are listening are playing in 12-team leagues and some of you in 10-team leagues. 
just don't even don't even think about the name Anthony Rendon at your draft. The only place to be even considering him right now is in excruciatingly deep leagues, like 15-team and beyond with deep roto rosters and probably a draft and hold is the only place where I think he makes sense at this point. Let's talk a little bit about Liam Hendricks. I'm really glad that Liam Hendricks signed a contract. It was with the Boston Red Sox. He's getting a two-year deal worth $10 million, and there is a third-year mutual option. First of all, on a human level, uh, I've always loved Liam Hendricks, and I'm really glad that he's got a job here. Um, He's going to be hurt for the first good while. Maybe he comes back in the summer. Maybe it takes a little bit longer. But I think we can all agree that it's uh, it's real nice to see Liam Hendricks catching on with a team and getting a, getting a contract here, um, even if it doesn't mean that he's going to be like you know some massive fantasy asset. It's just nice to see him uh, continue his major league career. We were all kind of worried that after the cancer scare and the injuries last year that he was maybe done. Um, but at this point, it appears that he is going to be pitching in 2024 for a major league team. So. You love it from that perspective. Now, in terms of the fantasy value, I don't think that Liam Hendricks is going to have a ton this year. It, part of it does come down to what the Red Sox end up deciding to do with Kenley Jansen. Because if Kenley Jansen does get traded, now again, Hendricks is going to be out till the summer anyway, but if, Hen, if uh, Kenley Jansen is not there and they're lacking that proper closer, then there's a chance that when Hendricks comes back, he does take over that role. They got Chris Martin, who is, I think, a fairly viable candidate as well. Garrett Whitlock, I think, is somebody that could function as a closer. I think Whitlock could be a starter or a closer. I think there's a lot of different roles for Whitlock. But Kenley Jansen is the guy that is pretty solidified as the closer right now. Like Jansen, every year of his career going back to, like, 2012 has always been the full-time closer. So that is his role. That's not up for debate as of right now. Um Kenley Jansen is also 36 years old. He'll be 37 years old in oh, closer to the end of the season. So he'll be 36 throughout most of the year, but he's no spring chicken anymore. We could very easily see him start to decline a little bit more than we have over these last couple of seasons. And not that it's been like bad, but Kenley Jansen was a guy who was always sub two, sub two and a half type of ERA. And these last couple of years have been 3.38 and 3.63. The strikeouts are still very good, but they came down to 27% this year where he's been, like for his career, a 36% guy. And over the last couple of seasons, 30 to 32. And the walks are starting to come up a little bit more as he gets older as well. He used to be a great control guy. That's not so much the case anymore. These last three years, 13, eight and a half and nine on the walk rates. So there is a scenario where Liam Hendricks does take over this closer role potentially, whether it's because Jansen gets traded or because he's just doesn't really have it anymore. Hendricks would, I think, be an option in the middle, late part of the summer, depending on when he's actually able to come back. Now, in terms of drafting him, um, you know, if you are still doing draft and holds, Liam Hendricks is going in the last couple rounds, and that will probably jump up a little bit now that he's signed. But I think he does kind of make sense as an insurance for your saves. Uh, if you if you've taken a very closer heavy team and you have a few guys that you're very confident in. you have hater you got diaz or what, whatever combo it is you got a couple of solid guys up front maybe you pick the helsley as well or something he's more of like an insurance policy for people who don't have that solidified closer position on their team for people who maybe are you know you lost a closer or you're not as sure about your options that's where i think uh liam hendricks does make some more sense at this point i don't think that he's somebody that is like a must-target on every single team. I think that he's a little bit of insurance because you got to remember, Liam Hendricks isn't the youngest guy in the world either. He's going to be – oh, he just turned 35, actually. So he's 30 – this will be his age 35 season. I thought he was 36 or 37, but 35 is actually younger than I was uh, expecting for Hendricks there. 
he's been just so good. Like he's been like can't count last season. It was five appearances. He was fresh off a of cancer. It was just he was injured. Like there was just you can't judge him for last year. If you look at the previous three, four, five years, one of the best relievers, arguably, you know, for stretches in that time, was the best reliever in all of baseball. So I, I think that there is still potential for him to come back and have some value. But I think for most of you guys who do not play in those very deep leagues, just keep an eye on him, keep him on the watch list, and then maybe come June, come July, you start to see that he's ramping up his bullpens, uh, you know, he's starting to throw more or whatever, then you can maybe stash him, and potentially you will end up with 10 or 15 saves down the stretch. Again, that'd be a best-case scenario, but I think there is, uh, you know, probably a 20-30% chance that that does happen, just based on the way that they're not really that comfortable with Kenley. We've heard a lot this offseason about how they might shop him around, and if they're truly confident in him, then we don't even hear those reports probably, right? Like that's not something that gets out if we're talking about like, you know, we haven't heard about the Blue Jays shopping Romano this offseason. We haven't heard about the Pirates shopping Bednar and, you know, the the Reds shopping Alexis Diaz. Like if you don't hear any of those rumors, then there's no reason to think that they're out there. When you start to hear things, a little bit of chatter about the team isn't happy with this or that, that's when you think that something might be more real and Jansen actually could be headed out of town. At this point, I think Hendricks is just a nice little piece of late insurance if you're drafting one of those draft and hold rosters. But for the, most of you guys, don't have to pay attention to Hendricks as of today. Just somebody to keep in mind for later in the summer. Let's talk about my favorite piece of news today, and that's Carlos Rodon touching 97 miles an hour. This was a couple days old. Uh, but there was a report. I read the article on the score. Uh, Simon Sharkey Gottlieb, I believe, is the author of the article. And he's talking about how Carlos Rodon looks night and day this year compared to last year. So this time last year, I'm just going to find the exact quote. Um, He was in the high 80s with his fastball at this time last year. The high 80s, which is obviously garbage for any pitcher. You can't be a high 80s fast. This isn't 2004 anymore. You can't be Dan Heron or Roy Halladay throwing 89 miles an hour and having any success. But... Rodon was hitting 94-95 and got as high as 97 during live batting practice this week. That's huge. I did the 500th show special, uh, whenever it was, a little more than a week ago with Eno Saris and Nick Pollock, and one of the pitchers on the rundown was Carlos Rodon, and I had him ranked higher than the other two. I've always been a Rodon guy, and a a main concern really for, for all of us, but specifically for Nick, was that we don't have a recent velocity reading from Rodon, and at the end of last year, it was like 92, 93, and it's like, uh, I don't know if that's really going to play. Rodon at 97 is a whole different animal than Rodon at 92 or 93. Any pitcher is, but that's what Rodon needs to be successful, is to get that velocity back. The stuff is still good. I think that the repertoire is still good. It was a matter of getting that speed back after having all those injuries to his back and to his arm. And it looks like, tentatively speaking, he's got it back to some to some extent. Um, Carlos Rodon is somebody that has been a really, really nice later option, and he's been one of my favorite players to draft this season. I've drafted him, I think, on three or four of my seven completed teams so far. And the price has just been right. I mean, it's been trending upward. It's at 149 right now, but you've been getting Rodon consistently, you know, early draft season beyond pick 200. And then it was like in the 190s, the 160s, 170 kind of range. The ADP for all of draft season is 166 if you do narrow that down to the last month. 
Then you are talking about over 46 drafts. He's going to pick 149 in 15 teamers, in 12 teamers, 138. So it is getting more expensive for Carlos Rodon, but I think it's still a price that justifies um, taking him. It's not like you have to select him in the third round or the second round or something because like, if that was the case, and I, I'm glad that the fantasy world doesn't work like this, you're getting a discount because he was bad last year. But there is you know, potentially an alternate reality where people would be taking him in the third or fourth round because, well, before last year, that's what he was doing. He was giving you second or third round production, but you don't have to pay for that. You're looking at this point like you're going to get something close to vintage Rodon, 80 to 90% of it maybe, and you're getting him as like your third or fourth starting pitcher. I'm, I've done it a lot. I've taken him wherever I could really just because the price was so, so good. Now the price is going to get very expensive. Like this report, I tweeted it out, and as soon as I tweeted it out, not that I have you know massive impact, but I thought like I should probably just keep this to myself. But, you know, I'm a man of the people. So you guys should know this as well as I know this. Rodon, he's got the velocity back up, and I think that's a huge, huge thing for him this season. He's probably going to end up as a top 100 draft pick. Um, I don't know if it'll be immediately, but his minimum pick is already 117. And I'm assuming that was before, let me just double check here, before this report about the Velo, uh, I think it was, because this was five, six days ago where he was getting drafted at 117. So people see the velocities back up. Rodon's going to get expensive. I, I would still take him as high as maybe about pick 100, 110, but I will acknowledge it is risky at that point. Like I loved him. A big part of why I loved him is because people were just undervaluing him, and he was going past pick 200. He was going to pick 190, 210, 220. At that point, like, okay, there's there's no downside. If he starts getting pushed up into the top 100, there's there's definitely downside. And I'd still probably take him up until about 100. Once you start getting inside of the top 100, I get nervous. But it's really, really exciting to see that Rodon is actually back with the velocity. That was a huge concern. I think the wheels are up for him to have a top 20 starting pitcher season. Now, in my own rankings, they are they're still. This is the reason why I haven't put out my rankings yet. I've talked about them a little bit here and there, but I haven't put out anything solidified because things change. You see things in spring training. I know a lot of you haven't drafted yet, so that's why I kind of wait a little bit. Rodon currently sits at twenty seven for me. Um, Rodon's probably going to go up to about twenty three, twenty two. I'm off the top of my head. I think he's probably going to go into the Bobby Miller, Blake Snell range for me. Like, I, and that might be too aggressive. That might not be aggressive enough. I'm just really excited about Rodon, and I think we're going to see a great season for him uh, as a Yankee, which does suck as a Blue Jay fan, but as somebody who has a lot of shares for fantasy. Uh, it's looking real good for Carlos Rodon. But that'll do it. That'll do it for us today. Let me know what you think over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. SportsEthos.com is the website, of course. And make sure you guys are checking out our YouTube as well. I need to start plugging our YouTube more. Doing a ton of shows on there live. Uh, and some of them are not live, but they're pre-recorded and posted after the fact. I know some of you prefer to consume content that way. Whatever it is that you like, we got it for you. The audio, the video side, the written side, all of it at sportsethos.com. And you can find links all over Twitter for all of our different stuff. But make sure you're checking out YouTube and specifically that live feed that we're going to be doing later today of the auction draft. The Bubba and the Bloom Listener League. I'll be joined by Ryan Bloomfield himself to talk about some of our picks and strategies for this auction draft. But that'll do it, guys. Again, check out the show tomorrow. It will be a live version of the auction, but you can catch it live later tonight. But either way, until then... Take care and have a great night.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.